Hello and welcome to Potter Not, a podcast for those with conflicted Harry Potter feelings and for those who have absorbed Harry Potter through cultural osmosis and want to dive into the good and the bad. I am Zoe, she, her, a jaded fan. I am E, my pronouns are she, they, and I am a fledgling fan. I am Adela, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a fan in recovery. And we are reading book three, Harry Potter Yay! and the Prisoner of Azkaban, um, which, as noted, is one of my favorites and one of Adela's least favorites. Although I actually <laughs> really enjoyed the first three cha- four hey! chapters. <laughs> but E. E's having a time. I'm having a time. I, I messaged both of you. Uh, when I was reading it over the last couple of days, and I hated these first few chapters. <laughs> so, uh, so we're in a place. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I'm, I'm, I do not like the Aunt Marge chapter, but the other chapters I love. So, yeah, I think that one probably just overshadowed the whole thing for me. It's Makes sense. rough. It is. Yeah, Aunt Marge's big mistake, which is chapter two, is I think one of the worst examples of fat phobia. Like. In it's, the entire is, series, yep. It is the it's most fatphobic. Atrocious. Like, I complained a lot about the opening of book two. Mm-hmm. Like, this is miles worse than that. This, this one chapter manages to be just incredibly gross. We'll dive into that when we do specifics. Do you want to, do you have overarching, <laughs> <laughs> any overarching <laughs> thoughts? For all four chapters. Yeah, yeah for all four chapters. Like, it's fine. I can see the foreshadowing for plot beats that I don't know about, but, like, I can see that things are being set up with all of the the serious Black stuff. Like, the wheels are starting to turn a little bit. So I have an overarching question, actually, for you about these chapters, which is, in book two, you mentioned it really felt like book one, but again, we got the, like, reintroduction of who all the characters are and all these little bits and pieces. And this is very similar but just different enough that I was wondering how you felt about that sort of reintroduction of the characters in this book. Yeah so the first chapter is basically that right it's the reintroduction of all of the concepts that either you know you've taken what a year between books coming out a year or two. Yeah these first three I think came out year over year and then after that it was almost a Jesus, was it like a three-year gap yeah, or something two like or that? Three. Yeah. So chapter one is just a lot of yeah catch up. Like it talks about yeah he, here's who Harry is and here's who his friends are and here's who what Quidditch is and here's what Hogwarts is and and yada yada yada. I remember reading the first paragraph of chapter one out loud to my brother because I thought it was really funny. That it says, and he and he also happened to be a wizard. For some reason, I thought that was really funny. That is cute. <laughs> when I was a kid. It's kind of a cute. He hates the summer holidays. He really wants to do his homework. Yeah. My brother was forced to start reading Harry Potter because I would just start, I would just read him random paragraphs whenever I thought something was funny. Until eventually he was <laughs> like, okay, fine, I'll just read it. <laughs> See, that's how you get people to get into things. You just feed them pieces. I'm pretty sure I read like most of book five to him because I was like, you have to read this. <laughs> if I have like to force a... it down your throat, then. <laughs> that feels like a rough one to. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long one. Anyway. Yeah. We're getting off track. <laughs> but on the on the book one, but again thing, I do feel like this one, the plot starts a lot sooner. Mm. Like it may just be that I have prior 
like osmosis knowledge of this book, but I can see the wheels of plot turning faster. Yeah. And I feel in books one and two, it takes like half the book for it to really get going. I also feel like the in like the reintroduction of the characters and everything is done more smoothly in this book than in the second book. Mm-hmm. Like it's done through other things happening. Like Harry's doing homework. Let's learn about the like Harry being at school. Harry's like getting letters from his friends. Let's learn about his friends. I don't know. I just I feel like it follows more smoothly. Yeah. Than just being like Harry's a wizard. Here are all the yeah. things. <laughs> I I guess we're getting into specifics now. I guess for the overarching thing about these three chapters is this is the first book where, like E said, we're done with the Dursleys within two chapters. Yeah. Yes. Like, this is fast. Thankfully, but also, it's way worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to, like, condense all the worseness of her writing about the Dursleys into one chapter because you only get one chapter with them. Um, and that's that's actually true, is we really only do get one chapter with them, don't it we? It literally is one. Like, yeah. he mentions the Dursleys in, in the first chapter, but... And I think after this book, they don't really get more than one chapter ever, really. Maybe book... Oh, maybe book four. five they do. No. Four? Four and five. Four has mm. a couple chapters. Am, am I wrong about that? No, you're right. It's book five. Yeah, I was thinking... I wasn't counting... Harry by himself being part of the Dursley chapters. Yeah, um, I think book five, yeah. there's more chapters again. But yeah, yeah, so pretty much it. This is like, it's a one chapter drop off point, except for book five now. Which, E, going back to that question that you had about like, do people really like Aunt Petunia that much? You really see how little we get of her. Oh, yeah. And there's that nothing. big headcanon that we read. Yeah. It was really just from those chapters in book one that were much more extensive. And like a couple quick moments, one in book five and one book seven, but like, yeah, really, there's not much. Yeah, she's barely, she barely exists. In, Which means in this. that the fandom can do whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of nice. Yeah. It would take a yeah. lot more effort to wring something interesting out of Vernon or, or Dudley. Hmm. Um, all right. Yeah. I guess Shall we, we dig get into in? specifics. Um, I will start with a positive specific. The um, I just put in our little Discord chat all the chapter art for these four chapters because I think I don't have a favorite among these um, for a variety of reasons. But um, as per usual, one of my favorite things is the description of the owls and how they care for each other. Yeah, and so just I a little love... shout out about how the school owl and Hedwig helped carry poor Errol into Harry's room and nursed him back to health. Poor Errol. So cute. Also, I, I was thinking this time this would be, this is like where you really start to see like how smart Hedwig is and how she's oh, not yeah. just like a regular owl. In these chapters, for sure. Yeah, she's doing great. She knew to go to, to find Hermione in France. Was it in France? Is that where she yeah, was? She yeah, she was in France and also knew to find Harry at the Leaky yeah. Cauldron. Yeah. yeah. I think my favorite of these art is probably the, it would be the owls or... The night bus one. I like both of those a lot. Mine is the monster books. Just the monster books. They're really <laughs> good. The night bus, I think, is one of my favorites just because it's um oh, this is not a spoiler. The night bus comes back a yes. couple of times. And just the the conceit of the night bus with with beds that are not nailed down <laughs> makes me laugh it's, so it's much. So funny. It's, really funny. it's great. Oh. 
Um, another set of specifics, we get um, some new font typefaces for oh, yeah, the uh, Ron from... and Hermione. And nice. specifically, we no longer get the text in generic typeface. We now get signatures of their names. Ooh. Oh, cool. And my favorite thing about this is on, I'll take a picture of this page because it's very, very cool. Um, and we will tweet this out. We will definitely tweet this out because it's really interesting. This is page 10 in the American edition. Oh, you get to see how water damaged this book is. Um, and you he- it's the end of Ron's letter, and then it's got the, the little present note attached to it. And actually, Ron's signature is different in the two. Like, it's, clear- it's almost like somebody hand-drew the two signatures. Oh, wow. Oh, that's because really cool. Because the N is different. Yeah. And yeah. the O is different. The R yeah, so is, is the R. the same. And then Hermione's is pretty much what you expected Hermione's handwriting to look like. Mm-hmm. It's not that exciting. Um, and then Hagrid's is still in that sort of like handwriting-y typeface font. Um, so it's really interesting that we get signatures for Ron and Hermione without the typeface change. But Hagrid's is still in that typeface and then um professor mcgonagall's is the same signature that we've seen before that we've already tweeted out cool so but we'll tweet out the ron and hermione signatures i think the ron one only happens like this this once uh well this is probably the only time where we see two letters in a row yeah but it's such a cool detail in this american edition um so big shout out to the scholastic uh artistry and editorial team for doing this i think you did a great job yeah, so that's my little things for the first okay. chapter. Like, nothing happens in this chapter. You find out that no. he has a loose floorboard. Ron talking on book. the phone is very funny. Ron talking <laughs> on the phone is extremely yes. good. Um, you meet the Monster Book of Monsters and the Handbook of Do-It-Yourself Broom Care, which yes. is um, a staple thing that Harry owns for the next few books. Add to his inventory. <laughs> Add yes. to commonly used inventory. Do we want to skip Marge and talk about other things, or do we want to dive into the Aunt Marge chapter now? I feel like we have to go into yeah. it, right? Let's, like, let's dive into it. Yeah. Just put it stuff off. In order. E, you want to kick us off? And also, do we want to talk about the Aunt Marge Wizarding World page while we're at it? We should or do we it wanna... while okay, we're on this it. chapter. Yeah. Yeah, okay. the Wizarding World page doesn't have anything new to say anyway, other than, yeah, I, I have something to say about JKR's thoughts in that page. So, yeah. But let's talk about the problems in the chapter first. E, go for it. So for anyone who does not remember, um, this is a chapter. This is the Dursley chapter in this book. And the conceit here is that Aunt Marge, who was mentioned briefly before, I feel like. Um, I feel like yeah, you heard about had, her. Yes, she, she, ate a something. she ate a funny whelk. <laughs> that is the thing that she was mentioned having done. Um, That's it. Uh, is coming to visit, and the plot reason for this is so that Harry can get so mad at her that he accidentally does magic and has to leave the house. Mm-hmm. That's the, yes. like, narrative structure here. What this manifests as is the worst fatphobic language about um, both her and Vernon and Dudley that oh, has the Dudley been... stuff, I think, is the worst. It's Dudley been. stuff is definitely the worst. Yeah, absolutely horrific. Like it's it's gross. It's gross. I hate it. There's nothing redeemable about this chapter for me. Yeah. I mean, do we want to do, give some examples or? We should give a few. 
Yeah, there's also references to her having like a mustache or whatever, mm-hmm. like cool little bit of transphobia you snuck in there as well. Yeah, she's got a big deep voice, and the text makes fun of her for having a mustache, but not as bushy as Uncle Vernon's. And she likes bulldogs, like she's a a masculine, like the caricature of a of a broad masculine woman. Mm-hmm. The very first paragraph, Harry comes down to the kitchen table. Uh, they were watching a brand new television, a welcome home for the summer present for Dudley, who had been complaining loudly about the long walk between the fridge and the television in the living room. Dudley had spent most of the summer in the kitchen, his piggy little eyes fixed on the screen and his five chins wobbling as he ate continually. And then immediately, the next paragraph, Harry sat down between Dudley and Uncle Vernon, a large beefy man with very little neck and a lot of mustache. Like literally yeah. the next sentence. And, like, it just continues. Yeah. Just a small note about Vernon's threat against Harry. Page 20 in the American edition, Harry is basically threatening threatening to say that he, he wouldn't remember to yeah. say that he's from, and this is a whole different situation, St. Brutus's Home for Incurably Criminal Boys. Is that what it is? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, St. Brutus's Secure Center for Incurably Criminal Boys, which, like, Okay, we, that's a whole different conversation that we're not going to have. Or maybe we will, I don't know. But Harry says, like, maybe, I, maybe I'm going to forget that. Like, why don't you sign my Hogsmeade, Hogsmeade form? And the response is, you'll get the stuffing knocked out of you, won't you, roared Uncle Vernon, advancing on Harry with his fist raised. Yeah. Yep. And Harry's response is, knocking the stuff, uh, stuffing out of me won't make Aunt Marge forget what I t- could tell her. Like, That is one thing that I did want to mention about this chapter that the fact that Harry is standing up to Vernon, he has found a way to stand up to Vernon, which yeah. is through blackmail, uh, which is like whatever he can, like, you go, Harry, whatever you need to do to stand up to him. I feel like this is like the first time that he actually stands up to him that we see. Yeah, I do think that E raised this point a while back about how it's a little unrealistic. It seems unrealistic. It was yeah. in book one, yeah, where Harry like tackles his uncle yeah to for the mail for the mail um which realistic then i feel like it's better now yeah that he's had normalcy outside of this house and has learned to be brave he also knows he has community to fall back yeah. on yeah the one thing i wanted to mention here is that this is the first time vernon actually threatens physical harm as far as i remember mm. like always before this mm. they shut him in the cupboard they like, True. starved him. But this yeah. is the first time that you see the threat of physical harm and Harry acknowledging that it might come true. Yeah. Yeah. And there are other times where it does actually happen that I, re- like, I remember things, places where it actually happens. Later in the books. Yeah. Yeah. But like, in terms of earlier books, this is, mm-hmm. as far as I can remember, this is the first indication that Harry is physically mm-hmm. harmed. On a regular basis or something. I mean, like, it's implied. Yeah. Yeah. Just something to say about the age bracket of this series shifting up a little bit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think so. Anyway, from depressing note to depressing note, shall we talk about Aunt Marge? Mm -hmm. I guess. (laughs) Oh, you mentioned, so you, you, there's this whole thing about St. Brutus's Center for Criminal Boys. I feel like we won't talk about that, not because... It's not like, you know, what the hell, but the book doesn't even 
give it enough thought, right? Yeah. It's like one of those things in, in the last book where it's like, okay, you've added dwarfs to this book, but you've done it so thoughtlessly. Yeah, completely thoughtlessly. That it doesn't even bear critical discussion. Yeah. Because there was no thought put into it whatsoever. Maybe maybe a book that was more thoughtfully written, you could have a discussion about like prisons and corporal punishment of children and mm-hmm. whatever, but this book doesn't deserve it. Yeah, this chapter, I think, doesn't deserve it. Yeah, sure. Is what sure. I, I would say. We should read one description of Marge. Should I read the first description of her? Yeah, read the first description of her. All right. Uh, This is when she's arriving at the house. On the threshold stood Aunt Marge. She was very like Uncle Vernon. Large, beefy, and purple-faced. She even had a mustache, though not as bushy as his. In one hand, she held an enormous suitcase, and tucked under the other was an old and evil-tempered bulldog. Um, She's described as roaring. Her hugs knock the wind out of Dudley. Um, She has a large jaw. You know, all within the next couple paragraphs. As well as continuing to talk about Dudley's size at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Aunt Marge and Aunt Petunia kissed, or rather, Aunt Marge bumped her large jaw against Aunt Petunia's bony cheekbone. That one sentence is kind of funny. Yeah. In, like, a better written context. Yeah. If you had talked about her being, like, tall and broad and square-jawed, and not in this Those are women who exist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you can have women of different sizes. Yeah, without making it part of their cartoon villain aesthetic. Yeah, without villainizing it. Yeah, the one at the end that I was thinking of, um, Dudley was eating his fourth slice of pie. Um, Pardon me, but I do like to see a healthy-sized boy, she went on, winking at Dudley. You'll be a proper-sized man, Dudders, like your father. And the reason, there's, like, a way to take this positively, like... There's nothing wrong with a 13-year-old. First of all, there's nothing wrong with being fat. But also there's nothing wrong with a 13-year-old being fat because chances are puberty is going to change their body drastically. And whether or not they continue to be fat, which is fine, you need extra calories at 13 no matter what you're doing. Right. Like there's a way to write this positively. But because you're supposed to hate Marge and and it's already so fat phobic. And then you, she talks about how Harry, who, by the way, has been malnourished and starved all through his childhood yeah, as, like, the runt and the one who would normally be left to die and all these things, like, ugh, it's just really bad. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of, like, absolutely terrible metaphors that Marge uses comparing humans to dogs. And I think this is, Adela, did you want to m- briefly mention, yeah. The Pottermore page. There's nothing in the Pottermore page really that's new information. Everything's just pulled from the chapter. It's just a Wikio page. But when you get to JKR's thoughts, this is the part I wanted to talk about. Because talk about using dogs as a metaphor for people. That's what Aunt Marge is doing. And um, JKR's thoughts, she says basically she regrets uh, that Aunt Marge had bulldogs because bulldogs are actually lovable and affectionate. This is Mm. (laughs) I just can't wrap my head around the idea of, like, regretting writing dogs as mean and not regretting the fat phobia 
in this yeah. <laughs> like of all the things you could of regret. all the things you could regret in this chapter. I mean, I agree that it's the portrayal of bulldogs also sucks. Yeah, it's not good, but that's not the thing to focus on here, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you can be sorry for that and also be sorry for other things. Yeah, basically saying that she cares more about dogs than she cares about people that she doesn't like. Zoe, I have a question. Yeah, I'm, I have an answer. In the American edition, I don't know what page it would be on, but there's a line where she says the word bitch. Yeah. Does that word, is that word said in American edition? If there's something wrong with the bitch, there'll be something wrong with the pup. Bitches and So it is, it is yep. there, huh? Yeah. Well. Um... The one thing is, I think the inflation of Aunt Marge is very funny. Mm-hmm. And I wish it were separated from the fat phobia because yeah. the idea of somebody swelling with indignance and then keep it swelling is very funny to me. It yeah. is very um, funny, yeah. And I think that despite the continued fat phobia in the film, this scene is great. Um, oh, in the like, film? Yeah. In the, in the movie. It's, it's hilarious. so good. So I do think that that's... Um, yeah, it is a very funny magical accident. <laughs> yeah, it is. And even the description. But Aunt Marge suddenly stopped speaking for a moment. It seemed like she, her words had failed her. She seemed to be swelling with inexpressible anger, but the swelling didn't stop. Uh, several yeah. buttons just burst from her tweet jacket. Like, it's just very funny, the idea. Like, it's not written well, her stomach bursting free of her tweed waistband. Like, maybe you didn't need to emphasize that. It could have been, like, her shoes popping off, or, like, her jacket splitting down the back, or whatever. Yeah. It didn't have to be her stomach, which is, like, very associated with fatness. But, um, I do think it's very funny in, in sort of the idea of it, I guess. An Aunt Marge balloon. Isn't there a character in Willy Wonka that blows up like a balloon? Yep. I was thinking about that through the whole chapter. <laughs> Isn't that Violet? Yeah, yeah. the gum-chewing girl, right? Yeah. yeah. Violet. <laughs> cool. Excellent. And we're Should done we with that. To more positive things? Yeah. Let's talk about the night bus. Let's talk about the night bus. Um, let's talk about the omen, and then let's talk about the night bus. Poor Harry. He's so worried because he got in trouble for not doing magic last year, for, for Dobby doing magic, and so he's so mm-hmm. convinced that he's going to, like... Get arrested. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go to uh, wizard jail. Go to literal adult wizard jail as a yeah. 13-year-old. <laughs> for accidentally yeah. blowing up his aunt. Which, I will say relatable as a nervous very anxious person yes yeah anxious preteen definitely worried about going to literal jail yeah. a couple of times for like torrenting a movie <laughs> yeah i mean it's just like a couple of times he gets the feeling that he's being watched and there's something outlined of hulking something big with wide gleaming eyes but he's also got his arm reached out with his wand lit up. And so the night bus shows up and we get to see two of my favorite characters, Stan Shunpike and Ern. Whatever his last name is. Ernie Prang. Ernie there Prang. Yeah. Um, can I get your linguistic opinion on the written accent for I Stan? I was going to ask that too. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Colin be so surprised. Um, I mean, it's, you know whatever it's a written accent written accents suck i think i went into this thoroughly when hagrid's first came up so i won't rehash it i would say it's more consistent than hagrid's but probably only because it's like very aggressive yeah it's very aggressive and it lasts for three pages so Mm -hmm. it's extremely consistent though right like nothing toothbrush like nothing the th sound 13 is always it's it looks like it's 
it's meant to be um, imitating. Let me make sure I have the right word here. And then also like putting a bunch of words together, like uh, chew for what what are you and was for what is. Yeah, I think this is meant to be an imitation of the estuary uh, mm. English accent, which is like it's perceived as like a lower working yeah. class accent, um, similar to Cockney English. Yeah. You know, you get a lot of these F for TH and dropping the H's, that kind of thing. So it's yeah. it's supposed to be perceived as like a working class accent. Yeah. And actually, Ernie doesn't have one. Also, we barely hear Ernie talk, yeah. but <laughs> I was thinking about this time. It says that Stan is 19 at most, Harry thinks. Which yeah. means that he would have been at Hogwarts when Harry started, uh, most likely, unless he dropped out or didn't go, which is just yeah, interesting. That's interesting, of, especially given how like sh- shocked and excited, or like shocked and excited he is when they find out that it's Harry. Yeah, because like the whole school was talking about it when Harry arrived at Hogwarts. So yeah, I I do think that it's like I knew it, like. Yeah. I think they probably suspected and, and decided yeah. not yeah. to care. But. I mean, he's, like, super famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love the night bus. I love Madame Marsh tottering down from <laughs> Poor upstairs. Poor Madame Marsh. <laughs> she makes a reappearance along with the night bus. Whenever the night bus shows up, Madame Marsh shows up, and I appreciate that consistency. She just lives on it. She always takes the bus, even though it always makes her sick. Poor yeah. Madame Marsh. Yeah, she well, doesn't have another way to get around. Yeah. Which is, that's you know, me- I was going to say, grad school mood. <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs to the 71. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I also think that the night bus is just a really cool concept. Like, in yeah. terms yeah. of is the wizarding world a functional place? Mostly no. Uh, the <laughs> night bus sort of makes it functional, right? Like, I feel like the night bus is one of those examples of where the, the wizarding world fixes a problem in a very, like, patchy, haphazard way, mm-hmm. which makes it like a lot more whimsical and a lot funnier but also is very like impractical yeah deeply impractical Mm -hmm. although it does so i don't know how much you know about what i'm gonna say but do you think it's like the equivalent of sidelong aberration what do you mean by that like you can side along someone and bring them with you when you apparate is do you mean like it's it's as impractical as that no, I'm just wondering Already about the spell yet. that runs it. Oh. Because I assume that the bus itself is like a stolen London double-decker. I would say it's probably less related to that and more related to port keys. Interesting. Because like, it's like a teleporting thing, which I guess like so is apparition, but I don't know. Um, if folks have an idea about what spell or whatever might be used on the night bus, will That you... would have been a cool thing to read on the Pottermore page, but no. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but if somebody has a cool headcanon about that, please at us, because that is something yeah. that I'm fascinated by. And um, I guess, like, the night bus page, it's another one of these, um, like, basically Wikia pages. It's a triple-decker yeah. triple purple bus. It does uh, seats during the day and beds at night, which we see later. Very modern invention that they took the idea from the muggle world. This is, like, not anything new. Relatively modern, but was invented in 1865. Which meant it was invented when, like, bus services were carriage services. Yeah. 
So I wonder what it was then. That's a really Because it question. wouldn't have been a triple decker, decker purple <laughs> bus modeled like after a... the buses in London. I think, uh, did they have... Um, bus gen engine... I was going to say, did they have electric streetcars? Combustion engine is uh, 1860... But that was like just starting, so it wouldn't. They wouldn't have had buses yet at that point. Uh, the first streetcar was 1882. Yeah, so that's later. Oh, I saw 1832. Oh, well, I guess I've got the one in the United States here. So yeah, that makes more sense. The, the page reads as the night bus hit the streets, basically at the way it is now, which yeah is hilarious and also is really funny. Yeah, true. triple decker just, like, purple absolutely bus absolutely cannot be true. Chugging around in the Civil War era. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really new on this page. I just really enjoy the night bus. Um, yeah. I do think it's very nice that if you're a wizard, just, like, anywhere you can summon it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'll are, you'll always have a... You'll have to pay for it, but a ride. I really enjoy that the driver and conductor are named after her grandparents. Her grandfather's yes. Ernest and yeah. family. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a really nice little touch. That was my favorite little tidbit from the Pottermore page as well. To the point where I'd forgotten that one of them was 19. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aside from this, the, um, night, the night bus, we will also see Stanley again other times. So yes, Good. look forward um, to that. Um, we love Stanley. <laughs> we stand I have, Stan. I actually have very few feelings about Stanley. but um, <laughs> He seems nice. I do love that the first name he thought of was Neville Longbottom. Yes. Yeah, that's very cute. I really, this is a note for when E sees the films. I really hate the depiction of Tom, the innkeeper in the films. And I really love him here where he's just like in the background and they like do a mm-hmm. weird thing with him in the film. Yeah, he's liked. weird. It's weird. It's in, very creepy it's in the film and I creepy. don't like it. Hmm. It's creepy and like, I don't know, maybe a little problematic. Anyway. Um, yes, I <laughs> agree. Uh, the third movie fixes a lot of things and also introduces some other things. Mm, um, yeah, so speaking about the night bus, we'll talk about that when we get to the third movie. But anyway. Yeah. Yes, we aren't, for those of you who are thinking, they haven't mentioned this yet, we will be talking about that. In the movie, because it's not in the books. We are not going to be talking about <laughs> it now. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, you'll wait. Uh, <laughs> I will wait. Uh, the uh, important thing that happens in this chapter is we learn about Sirius Black more more in depth than we learned about it in the Thursley chapter. Yes. Um, yes. We learn about it from yeah. Stan on the bus. From Stan and from the newspaper. Uh, and then the Minister of Magic shows up. I don't think he's wearing a lime green bowler this time. But, no, he is um, wearing a long pinstriped cloak. He is yes. wearing a long pinstriped cloak. Like, very little gets discussed here, except for the fact that... Um, Miss Dursley has been punctured and her memory has been modified. The, f- the word punctured always made me giggle. <laughs> she is a balloon. She is a balloon. I like that the pub owner offers Harry drinks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> some brandy with some beer. And Fudge is like, maybe a pot of tea? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. I was wrong. Fudge is wearing a bottle green suit. Oh, great. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, what, was the, what was the line about Fudge that we loved in the book two? Must be seen to be doing something. Yes. Mm, yeah. <laughs> just, just keeping that in mind throughout any time oh, we yes. see Fudge is great. Yeah, got to be seen to be doing something. Yeah, I mean, this is very much him got to be seen to be doing something. There's nothing really here, right? Except that we learn yeah. that Harry has to go back to Privet Drive next year. Uh, that he's not going back for Easter and Christmas, which we already knew because he never goes. And mm-hmm. that he can't go anywhere except for Diagon. Like, there's nothing here. 
It's yeah. just foreshadowing because Fudge shows up, so you know it's important. And more mysterious, the Azkaban guards. Um, yes. Who were mentioned also on the night bus as giving Ern the willies. And, like, no description of them yet. That'll come. Fudge is, like, very nervous, but also very, like, trying to make awkward small talk with Harry and trying to be nice in the weird way that an adult who doesn't know how to interact with children does. <laughs> yes. Just watching the way that Fudge flips back and forth in um, personality and behavior throughout these books is uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Yeah. We get that right away from the first two books. So we'll that, see that trend continue because everything he does is for public face, basically. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then... Shall we move on to... Yeah, Harry's free in Diagon Alley. Harry's vacation in Diagon Alley. Oh, uh, right. Honestly, uh, ideal. This is my favorite chapter so far. This I one like is... Out of these four, this one is for sure the best. <laughs> it took Harry several days to get used to his strange new freedom. Never before had, been he, had he been able to get up whenever he wanted or eat whatever he fancied. He could even go wherever he pleased so long it was Diagon Alley. Like, that's a big vacation mood. Mm-hmm. And to be like thirteen and have nobody telling you what to do, yeah. That's yeah. Like also, like thing. what great self control he has. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to spend all my money on these uh, toys and and this firebolt that I don't need because I actually need it for school. That's smart, yeah. Harry. Good job. <laughs> I'm sure that he has enough money to buy the firebolt and also pay for school, but he doesn't like feel that way. No, because he grew up poor, basically. He, yeah. yeah. I want to give a shout out to something in the first chapter, because this is something that is happens a lot in the fandom where people are like, oh, Harry and Ron don't like doing their homework. Like, I would love doing my homework if I were at home. Harry loves doing his homework. Yeah. Like, he gets really frustrated when he's in school and he has to do homework on top of his classes. Or when he has homework that's like, which is the same as stupid. me. I don't like doing homework when it's stupid homework. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like... I will say throughout the books, Harry gives much more care to his homework than Ron does. And I think yes. in the fandom, Ron's distaste for homework gets conflated with Harry's. Yeah. And I think that those two are separate. But it's also true separate. that often they are described together as... Yes. Especially in opposition to Hermione. Yes. Yeah. Who, let me be clear, is taking every single class offered right now. Yes, she is so much of an overachiever that Harry's 60% effort and Ron's 20% effort just look the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do you want to talk about Florian Fortescue? I How do you pronounce his name? Fortescue? I, I always say Fortescue. Fortescue in my head, but it, then I correct myself because I'm probably Fortescue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just love him. <laughs> like, this is not necessarily anything like fancy or specific but just talking about minor side characters that are just yeah nice does this character yeah. come back yeah he does yeah okay good yeah um and like more than once yeah and also florian is like who apart from knowing a great deal about medieval witch burnings gave harry free sundays every half hour it's a lot <laughs> of free ice cream but also they still pay him because you see later Ron, Hermione, and Harry have like gone out for ice cream and they still they pay for their ice cream. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, just, I just love that like this is a thing that happens, I think, when you're a nervous child is you kind of enjoy hanging around certain kinds of adults. Mm-hmm. 
And I love that Harry enjoys hanging out with Florian. Yeah. Yeah. He's gravitated towards a person who is kind and, like, has good conversation and makes him feel comfortable and safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, it's wonderful, and I love Florian. (laughs) That's all. I just, I really like this side character. There's, like, not much to know about him. Is there no Pottermore page on Florian? I think there maybe used to be, but now that it's uh, Wizarding World and they got rid of so two-thirds of the very interesting and actually useful pages that were ex- in existence, uh, JKRR or anybody at Wizarding World or WB, if, if you're listening, which I doubt, and I not decided not. to sue us yet, which, you know, um, could you please bring back all those pages that you suddenly archived with no warning? That would be great. Wait, there is a page on him. There is? And it has a, a long section of her thoughts. Ooh, well, do you fuck. guys want to yeah. want to look at this? Yeah, let's look at it. <laughs> um, how spoilery is it? Oh wait, let me let, let me take a peek. The Firebolt. This state of the art racing broom sports a strip super fine ash treated with fine hard polish and hand numbered with its own registration number. Each individually selected birch twig in the broom tail has been honed to aerodynamic perfection, giving the Firebolt unsurpassable balance and pinpoint precision. <laughs> the Firebolt has acceleration is zero to 150 miles an hour in 10 seconds and incorporates an unbreakable braking charm price on request i love that you read that like a commercial (laughs) you have to it is the page is i'll send it to you yeah oh you already got it yeah it's uh it's pretty spoiler i the part yeah we can't we can't read it i think maybe Um, this is why i didn't pull it up that makes sense Um, (laughs) All we can say is, which Harry learns later, is there was a headmaster of Hogwarts who was called Dexter Fortescue, and Florian is the descendant of Dexter. There nice. you go. That's that's all. That's the only non-spoilery that's thing we can tell you. We can, can revisit. You. Anyway, yes, the Firebolt. I'm assuming that this is Chekhov's Quidditch broom, and we'll see it again. That's my... <laughs> it is a... A good assumption. <laughs> Extremely good assumption. Um, there's a couple of Chekhov's things in this book. Yeah. Like uh-huh. omens. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, do you want to talk about the uh, the book of, what is it called? The de- Death Omens. What do we do? What to do when you know the worst is coming. Yeah. Well. I do enjoy the manager being like, you'll start seeing death omens everywhere. It's enough to frighten anyone to death. <laughs> <laughs> Harry does the thing that I do where he immediately assumes the worst about everything mm-hmm. and finally runs into Harry and Ron. Um, Harry and Hermione. Yeah. Or Harry, Hermione, yes, Ron. Hermione and Ron. <laughs> Jesus. There's some interesting things happening in like the Leaky Cauldron is a thick chapter in terms of things that happen. Even if Yeah, I was surprised block. at how many pages this chapter was. It's a long one. Um, I did find we did find the uh, the time that dwarfs are mentioned in this book because remember we were oh, like yes. oh it's mentioned right. once in book three it's at the beginning when you see ruckus ruckus dwarfs and that's it mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in the leaky cauldron along with yeah. uh, wizards warlocks not sure what the difference is there and somebody who looks like a hag as far as I have been I would I have had this question all the time warlocks is either from what I can gather, particularly um, eccentric and wild-looking wizards, like this says, or maybe it's like something like Bachelor, like a Bachelor, but a wizard. I don't know, because <laughs> um, like like Dumbledore is called the chief is the chief warlock of the Wizengamot, so like it is an interchangeable word with wizard because Dumbledore is a wizard. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Or it's like a like an extremely powerful wizard. I don't know. Yeah. But it's just strange to see them used in conjunction. Yeah. As if they're two different. Well, the wizards are venerable looking, and the warlocks are wild looking. So, there you go. Oh, That's wow. the difference. Is, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, uh, other significant things that happen in this chapter. Hermione gets a cat. Yes, Hermione gets a cat. They all have um, pets now. Yay. So excited! All, do you all have pets now? Um, Scabbers is not looking great. Oh, we got to go back and talk about the photo from Egypt. Where does he get that? It's, is that it's in like chapter the very one? first chapter? That's Ron's. That's Ron's. Because we have to talk a little bit about what they're talking about about Egypt in this chapter. I'll read the description of the photo. Where is it? Uh, it's on page 10 in the American edition. On um, page 12. 12 in this. So it, there's the article about Arthur Weasley winning the Daily Prophet grand prize, which is exciting. Arthur Weasley does scrapbook cards. <laughs> um, Harry scanned the moving photograph and a grin spread across his face as he saw all nine of the Weasleys waving furiously at him, standing in front of a large pyramid. Plump little Mrs. Weasley, tall, balding Mr. Weasley, six sons and one daughter, all, though the black and white picture didn't show it, with flaming red hair. Right in the middle of the picture was Ron, tall and gangling, with his pet rat scabbers on his shoulder and his arm around his little sister, Ginny. Very nice. There's like a little bit about Egypt in the letter. Yeah, it's amazing here in Egypt. Bill's taking us around all the tombs. And so we finally learn a little bit more about Bill. Bill's taking us around all the tombs and you wouldn't believe the curses these old Egyptian wizards put on them. Mom wouldn't let Ginny come in the last one. There were all these mutant skeletons in there of muggles who'd broken in and grown extra heads and stuff. And then in the Leaky Cauldron chapter, um, you learn, well, first of all, that Fred and George tried to shut Percy into a tomb and their mother <laughs> caught them, which I think is extremely funny. Those are funny. But that um, Scabbers was looking a little... Off color since they got back from Egypt. Yeah, I just think the descriptions of Egyptians' wizards are really interesting because it implies that, like, royalty and tomb makers were wizards like i think the implication of history is here mm -hmm. but then we get into the uh issues of cultural appropriation in these yeah. books and in jkr's general it's, it's another view one of, of the those world. things that's you know i don't know how much this is foreshadowing for later content but at least at this point it's one of those things again that's not been given enough care in the writing yeah i it, it depends on, I don't know, Zoe, what you think about, we'll t get to this when we get to book four, the descriptions of Bulgaria and French wizarding culture. But mm. um, th I would say this is probably one of the worst things in the books for cultural appropriation. But then you get to the actual Pottermore stuff and there's some way worse stuff cool. there. Um, not yeah. about stuff in the books, though. So I, I, I do want to, I do want to talk about those pages. This is about Ilvermorny. I do want to talk about that at some point during this podcast. So we'll have to figure out where to fit that in because it is not mm -hmm. about the Harry Potter books <laughs> at all. It's about the Fantastic Beasts movies. But yeah. So anyway, the thing here is basically, what if Tomb Raider, like the perception of pyramids and tombs, was what if it was wizards? That's like all of the thought that went into this page, as far as it's, I can tell. And also not, it's it's also not seen as like a bad thing that wizards are doing this because Bill is like a very lo lovable, likable, good character. And a curse breaker. Yeah. Cur yeah. Who is also like breaking apart burial grounds. Like, <laughs> I don't I know. I think the thing, it's... one of the things that we should keep in mind is the uncomfortable colonial connection between 
yep. the UK and Egypt also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it I think was is definitely being drawn on. That long ago that Egypt yeah. was a territory of, of the British Empire, if yeah. I remember right. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing that I that is my general thought with the way JKR writes other cultures when she does into her stories is and like we'll get more into this if we ever talk about Ilva Morney at some point but I feel like because she delved a lot into British like the British Isles the history the history and like mythology of the British Isles for a lot of like fantastic beasts that we see and things like that and Mm -hmm. it feels like to me in her head it's like oh well if I can do it with these this mythology I can do with any mythology and that's like totally fine you know what I mean yeah, like she doesn't yeah. see she doesn't see there being an issue with taking other people's culture and mythology and doing the same thing that she does with her own culture and mythology. If yeah. That makes sense. Like I think it's fine that she does it with British culture because she is British, but I don't it know. It definitely is true. Or at least like at the very least doing it in con- consultation with someone with right. people which she definitely does not do. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, uncomfortable bits about Egypt in this. Um but yeah, we got a cat we got a cat, Crookshanks. Crookshanks. What do you think about Crookshanksy? Delightful. <laughs> I would love to have a huge orange monster cat. <laughs> Is that what you're going to say when you go to the? Why did I drop the cat? Can I please have a beautiful, <laughs> large orange Your monster cat? Monster cat. <laughs> um, I love Harry's comment in here when Ron says, "What was that?" Harry says, "It was either a very big cat or quite a small tiger." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Harry. Crookshanks is good, is all I will say. He's a good cat. Very good cat. Uh, yeah, Crookshanks is fine. I'm a dog person. Yes, but Crookshanks <laughs> is objectively a very good and very smart cat. Anyway. Yes. yes. Why aren't there um, these books? Hmm? There should be dogs in these books. Anyways. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Whatever you Moving say. Moving right along. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, that was... No relation to this book aside, I was just thinking there's been several cats that uh-huh. we have. Seen. What about Fang and Fluffy? That's, That's fair. true. Fang is Fang is a regular visitor. Um, we should talk about Mr. and Mrs. Weasley's conversation. Yes, um, that's the big, the yeah, big, the big thing in this chapter. The revelation: Harry is like going back to grab the rot, rat tonic that Ron left at the bar, and. Overhears Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. He overhears them having an argument, which makes him uncomfortable. Then he hear, but then he hears his own name, and so he even yeah. E, what did you think about the revelation? I mean, like the the down and dirty is um, Sirius Black blew up thirteen people, was arrested, and escaped. Escaped. Was it, well, was Azkaban for twelve years? Yeah. Then escaped. Escaped. And escaped. Was the escaped. I just started saying it in es- French. Um, was, it. <laughs> was the um, the first person to ever have escaped from Azkaban? Yep. And they suspect he's after Harry. Yeah, because he's saying he's at Hogwarts. He's at Hogwarts. So that's sort of like the down and dirty of what he learns. But what did you think of sort of the revelation and the way it's talked about? E and also in relation to what you said at the end of book two, which was you thought yes. that we would be rescuing someone from yeah, so you're breaking someone out of Azkaban. I still think that we will like be at Azkaban at some point in this book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure that 
at some point, Sirius Black is going to become a sympathetic character. Okay. Based on how I've seen fandom, like, react to that character. I don't know how or at what point or, like, if that's even in this book or whatever. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me that he's the antagonist. I mean, that makes sense um, from what you've got here. And Harry is, like, very, not, I wouldn't say, not blasé, but he's very, like, they're they're worrying too much. I can yeah. handle. I can handle this mass. I murderer. will say, I think. <laughs> well, I guess it's more. It's more Dumbledore can handle this mass murderer. Yeah, more than just from a narrative point of view. I think it's unlikely that Black has harmful intentions towards Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because that's the first assumption we see about him from a narrative point of view. That's got to be a a red herring. We'll see. We shall. I also really like the symbolism of the black dog. That is that is a a creature of like mythology in yes. British art, the black dog. Speaking of that, I just started listening to a new podcast about Celtic mythology, and there I just nice. listened to an episode that was all about black dogs. Is it worth shouting out? Uh, yeah, it's called um, the Celtic Myths and Legends podcast. It's a master's student who just basically talks about her obsession with <laughs> mythology, and she is very passionate about it. So it's nice. That's great. I love the way that this chapter ends. Yes. <laughs> Harry says, I'm not going to be murdered, Harry said out loud. That's the spirit, dear, said his mirror sleepily. <laughs> I love this mirror that just talks to him. This mirror uh, is yeah. great. <laughs> Earlier great in the mirror. chapter, the mirror tells Harry not to bother trying to straighten his, his hair. hair. Yeah. yeah, it is a losing battle. His hair is wild. I love random ina- inanimate objects that talk. Like there's like some statues and God, I know. gargoyles and things in the school that talk and stuff. It's always, always a fun time. Um, E, now that we have sort of gone through some of the more positive aspects of this chapter, do you, how do you feel about these chapters? Um, is the Marge still really coloring it for you? Yeah, I just still really hate that chapter. It's like one of those things, I'm trying to find the right analogy, but like, the rotten apple spoils the barrel or something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's so bad that it's going to be hard for me to like, get over that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, in the first book, I was able to dismiss the Dursley writing as sort of like, you know, as a junior fiction book, trying to... Cartoon villains, etc. Stereotype a cartoon villain. You know, not that that makes fat shaming okay, but like, this is a unfortunately common thing in children's literature. But then it just like... Especially in the 90s. But then you just see the author doubling down on it again and Mm -hmm. again and again. And for real-world context, the author has also been doubling down on her support of transphobic... Everything. Everything. You know, again and again and again. And it's just like, how do I stomach anything by this person? Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that they've done this. And, you know, it's I'll probably come around to parts of this book which you like, which are good. It's just right now it's very, very challenging to like anything yeah 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 getting into the thing that started my whole crisis which is like how do i still like these books when i absolutely cannot stand their writer anymore yeah yeah am i allowed to still like these books a year i'm just gonna give you a heads up then book four very similar opening yeah um in a different way in a different um worse I would say worse in terms of what's actually happening, maybe not as bad in terms of actual like language as this, because this particular chapter is really bad for that. 
I don't remember what the language is like in in book four for that, but I'm okay spoiling this. It's about restrictions and dieting and and eating. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, I remember you mentioning that. And it's a lot worse in terms of that aspect, mm-hmm. even cool. if the language is a little less bad. So on that positive note, so um, on that note, like <laughs> a bummer way to start a book. I'm glad that we read four chapters, so we got the. Um, yeah. The nice diagonal yeah. chapter after yeah, I'm that. Glad, I'm glad that that fourth chapter was in the chunk, so that there was something nice in there. Do we have any other overall? I want to mention that on the front of the edition that I have, there's Harry and I think Hermione riding a griffin, yeah. and that's badass. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love. This is one of my favorite covers. I would say actually. Um, also on the back is the black dog. Also fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar in the American edition. Also, that is not a griffin, but you will learn what it is soon. Yes. Um, (laughs) I guess that's all we have to say about the first few chapters of of book three. Yeah, there they are. I'm still excited. I'm excited to be in book three to to be back at this. Even like when we have so many negative things to say, I feel like it's still really interesting to do this. And like, it's nice to find the positives, but also like it's important to not sugarcoat not sugarcoat it when we really don't like something yeah yeah sometimes it just feels nice to dunk on something that's really bad sometimes you have to do that um we're gonna get like down and dirty into plot in the next chunk yeah (laughs) (laughs) so just a word of warning that that's coming um if you're reading along with us we're gonna read chapters five six and seven the dementor talons and tea leaves and the boggart in the wardrobe oh this is gonna be a fun three chapters it is i'm Um, excited three chapters every time from now on Mm -hmm. yeah it breaks up really nicely and we're not reading too much at a time so we still have the ability to talk through some of these things what was the thing that we wanted people to tell us um oh i want please tell please at us oh yeah head cannons for how the night bat how the night bus works yeah i (laughs) want to know how you think yeah is it a spell that we actually know or are you have you made one up that would work maybe it just does that Maybe it just does that. Is it sentient? Who knows? Um, We've already seen a sentient vehicle, so... Is Ernie doing... Ernie Prang doing a extremely powerful vanishing charm every time he's... Yeah, you uh, know. ...teleports the bus? As you do. As you do. But yes, I, uh, that's something that I've always uh, kind of wondered. And so if you have any ideas, please add us. Um, we did also get a question that I just want to um, shout out real quick. Uh, So thank you, Lofty, for adding us on Twitter. Um, We are going to be working on transcripts. We do not have them yet. We are doing them ourselves, so they are not ready. There is, I believe, a transcript for the first episode. but Yeah, that's, like, um, nearly complete. So we are still working on them. If you um, are looking for something or trying to find something or trying to remember something, just at us on Twitter. Um, Folks who listen to the podcast may chime in. We'll go back and try and see if we can find it. So if you have any specific questions... um, then just you can add us on Twitter. And that is something we are working on and towards. We are all very pro-transcript. They're just, as many of you may know, time-consuming uh, and or expensive. Um, so we are And we are doing them ourselves. So. And we are doing them ourselves. He is so. doing them specifically. Um, shout out to E. <laughs> shout out to E. Don't um, yeah. want to take the credit. Yeah. Just uh, a note on that. But thank you, Lofty, for, for uh, asking us on Twitter. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, this has been an incredible ride. We're really excited to start book three. Um, <laughs> I personally am excited to no longer be reading book two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited to be getting more into the like 
more towards yeah. the books that I love the most. And the also like the series. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a lot coming and I'm really enjoying the ride. So thank you for taking the ride with us. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. You can find me um, on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z and buy my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, wherever books are sold. I am E. You can find me on Twitter at C-E-L-1-0-E. And I'm Adela. You can find me on Twitter at Aredel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore. You can find the show at Potternot on Twitter and Tumblr, and you can find more music by our amazing composer Morgan Jackson at WeDidTheTimeWarpAgain.BandCamp.com. Uh, please have a wonderful and safe into summer feel if that's when you're <laughs> listening. Um, make sure you stay hydrated. <laughs> yeah, drink some water. <laughs> drink some water. Take your allergy meds and stay. Hydrated. That's where I am today. <laughs> Good advice. Monsieur Craig. Au revoir, Monsieur Craig.